While we're gathering this morning, I just want to make a a real quick um, call to your attention. On um, Sunday, April 1st, it's going to be a great Sunday. It's always a great Sunday to be a part of Evansburg United Methodist Church. But I want to remind you that that Sunday we'll be having a combined worship service because our choir will be presenting their cantata. And then after that, we'll have an Easter egg hunt for the children. And following that, we will, our youth group will be doing a spaghetti dinner and talent event. So it's going to be a really fun day. So mark your calendars for Sunday, April 1st. And now as we gather, um, I would call you to let go of the distractions and center your thoughts and your heart on worship this morning. Um, there's been a song going through my head um, in this past week or so that um, says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. You know, as we come into worship, it's not about us. It's all about God. So if you would open your Bibles to John chapter 2, we'll be looking at verses 15 through 22. It's on page 714. In your pew Bibles, the Gospel of John, chapter 2, I'm going to um, back up just a little bit to verse 12, so we get the beginning of the story, well, verse 13, excuse me, John chapter 2, beginning at verse 13 and going through 22. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers doing business. And when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple, with the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the changers' money, and overturned the temples. He said to those who sold doves, Take these away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show to us since you do these things? And Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed in the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Thanks be to God for his word. We will have our Lenten candle reflection at this time. Our third Sunday in Lent is on meditation. There is so much during the day that clamors for our attention. Friends, family, work, classes, and household tasks, and the noise. We are bombarded with sound, from the clock that awakened us to the telephone, the radio, the television, and the conversations that we have or overhear. Where is the time and the place to listen to the still, small voice of God? Sometimes it seems that God would have to speak in a whirlwind to be heard above the clamor. Listen now. There is a place of quiet rest, and it is the place where God dwells within you. Close your eyes. Be aware of that place. In Lent, we journey to the parts of ourselves known only to God, beneath the clamor. 
Let the story of Jesus reach us there. Let it teach us wisdom in our secret hearts. Let us pray. Draw us together in your love, O God. May our restless hearts not resist you, but continue to search until they find their rest in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I stand here this morning, I see a bright blue wall behind me. Uh, and I, I want to take a moment and, and say just a word about that. Uh, uh, obviously, if you've looked in the fellowship hall, you see that the painting is beginning uh, for the transformation of the fellowship hall into, it will still remain a fellowship hall, but it will also be a place of a contemporary worship service. And I've been saying this in a lot of uh, settings, and I'm going to say in this setting. There's one thing over 35 years I've learned about churches, okay, this church and many other churches, and that is if you want to stir up a conflict within the church, you either talk about what colors the walls are going to be or you talk about what color the carpet is going to be. Do you all understand? You know what I'm talking about? That's one of those things that will just stir up controversy. The reason is it's because we all have different tastes. Uh, and for what one person would look at that bright blue wall and see the blue reflected in my eyes, you know, <laughs> somebody else would say, that's the most hideous color I've ever seen. Uh, so one of the things I want to say to you all as the family of God is do not allow this to happen. Uh, just take your time, and uh, if it's not a color that you choose, you do not need to paint it in your house. Uh, no one's re- going to require that. And give yourself a little time to get used to it. Uh, and you'll discover that it's not as bad as you thought or as wonderful as you thought. But it is a place where God can still be very, very present. And that's what we're searching for, isn't it? So um, do not allow that to happen. And just make the determination right now um, that um, you are part of the fellowship in the body of Christ. And paint and color is not an issue that we either love or hate. We love the Lord. Amen? Amen. Okay, praise God. Uh, Now, let me bring you to our picture of God. And we have been looking in this Lenten season about how we see God. Because how we see God, our picture of God determines how we relate to him. And it also determines how we move towards God. In other words, that first Sunday I said, you know, sometimes we see God as too small. And if we see God as too small, then we see him uninvolved in places in our lives that that, uh, we are quick to put him into a box and put him aside, a, a small God. Last week I said, sometimes we see God as too old. And what I meant by that is too old fashioned. That God isn't contemporary with the world. God isn't keeping up with the things that we are facing today. He is an old God that uh, worked well with camels and, uh, and tents and that kind of stuff from the Old Testament days. But he's not a God that's current with life today. And sometimes we see God as old-fashioned in that sense. This morning I want to bring before you Sometimes we see God as too disappointing. Now let me explain that a minute. 
I think within the life of the church, you all that are here this morning, that probably is not the picture of God that most of you bring. Some of you may be struggling with a God whom you feel is disappointing to you. But it would only make sense to me that if you saw God as disappointing, you would not worship that God. And you would probably not be here this morning. But there are people that you will rub shoulders with and elbows with this week and last week who see God this way. They've probably, if they were a part of a church, they've probably withdrawn from that church fellowship because God has disappointed them. And they would never turn their worship towards this type of God. But you rub shoulders and elbows with them on a daily basis. You know, sometimes we come into contact with people who just tell us more than what we really want to know. (laughs) And that may be true of the person who has found God to be disappointing. Why would they find him disappointed? Well, they would say, where was God when tragedy struck? Where was God when sickness came into our lives? Where was God when despair overwhelmed us? Where was God when it seems like he failed? And they would find this God who seemed to have failed in those and many other ways to be a very disappointing person, one that we just can't trust and certainly would not worship. The book of Job, the scripture addresses this whole idea of a God that seems to have failed. You know the story of this patriarch man of the Old Testament had all kinds of blessings as life went ahead, and then suddenly it was all taken from him. Possessions, family, his own health, all of these things were stripped from him seemingly in a matter of a few days. And Job sat there with the opportunity to be able to say, as others would have said, God has failed. In fact, Job was consoled to say, why don't you admit it? Something is wrong. God has failed you. Uh, The story of Job is one of those stories that points us beyond that mindset of a God who fails, a God who disappoints us to see the mighty hand of God. It seems that there are inadequate responses to a God who seems to fail. Let me show you what they are. Some of the times it would seem that we are told we have sinned, and that's why it seems that God has has failed us. And if we are going to go that way, then it would seem that God is punishing us now for those things that we have done. Sometimes we might be told, well, you know, God's just too busy. You know, he's got too many things going on in this massive world that he keeps going, and, and it's just too big of a problem, and God's too busy to hear to be a part of the things that we face. And if we did that, we would certainly be putting limits on a limitless 
God. Or it could be that some would say, well, God is testing you. If we're going to go that way, then we're going to be saying that God likes to bring pain into a person's life. There are inadequate responses to this thought that God somehow has disappointed us and failed us. Those are, are not sufficient. Those are, are false, bottom line. Our picture of God, our conviction about who He is and how He works, are something that we plant now into our lives in times of strength and in times of peace. So that our understanding of God will carry us through hard times when we face them. Beloved, let me say again. The picture of God that you are planting now in times of strength and of times of peace. Is the picture of God that will be with you and carry you through hard times when they come. So, let's move backwards for just a minute and grasp the right picture of God. Note with me that God in this great adventure of life that he has created has placed in each of us a gift. In each human life, a gift called free will. In other words, we have the privilege of standing before the God of creation and saying to him, no thanks, I don't want you in my life. We have free will. We have the privilege of standing before this God of creation and saying, Lord, you are awesome and I give my life to you and receive the gift of salvation you give to me. We have this, this free will. We can make the choices that we want before this God of creation. Isn't that amazing? That his love and plan is so wonderful and so deep. And this adventure of life is so impressive that God has given us this freedom. A free will. To receive or reject. To love or ignore God of creation. The effect of sin, the effect of billions of people over thousands of years, and I mean that literally, don't we? Billions of people over thousands of years who have said no to God has tainted this world and continues to do so. The effect of the peoples of the world who have said no have tainted the world. Theologians call it that we live in a sinful world. We live in a world that is dominated because of free will. 
We live in a world that's dominated by the power of sin. And that sin touches each and every person who lives. Now this, catch this. God has chosen as a part of this plan, free will being a part of it, God has chosen to limit his hand for now. In other words, when we look at God, and if we would look at God and say, no thanks God, I'm going to do it my own way. God's hand also is limited in his response here on earth. He has chosen this, it goes hand in hand. If he gives us free will, he limits himself now in some of his responses. Those those two things go hand in hand. Free will and limited response from God for now. The limit that he places on himself does not mean that he withdraws from our world. But he limits some things of his response. Well, what does this all mean? Number one, sometimes in this sinful world, we suffer because we have chosen to live in relationship with him. In other words, there are times when, because of our choice to say yes to God and receive his redemption and his love, the world, the sinful world, will choose to be in conflict with the believer. That's one of the outcomes of this relationship and outcomes of free will. There will be conflict between those who have chosen to live in relationship with him and those who have chosen to reject him. Sometimes we will suffer because of our walk with the Lord. Number two, the sinful world will affect us with tragedy, sickness, and disappointment. The sinful world in which we all live will affect us. Number three, there are times when God's hand of protection and healing go before us. Remember I said God has chosen to limit but not withdraw. So there are times in life that God's hand of protection goes before perhaps anything that we would recognize, and sometimes it's things that we don't even recognize. God's hand of protection goes before us. God's hand of healing comes into lives. God has chosen to limit, but not withdraw from the world. He has given us free will to say yes or no, and yet he still intervenes in life. He has chosen to limit himself, not withdraw from creation. But the most important thing for you and I who live in this world today and who experience those heartaches and tragedies 
And the most important thing for us to be able to say to a world that is struggling, saying, it seems like God has failed us, is this. The Bible always points beyond this temporary world to a place called heaven. And that place that the scripture points us to is in the place of eternal peace and uninterrupted presence of God. In other words, this sinful world, this world that's been tainted by sin, someday will be no more. And that taint of sin, which we all experience, will have no power on those who are in relationship with him. The scripture puts it that we are living in a temporary place. And there are disappointments in life. But, beloved, hold on. There is another place, another time coming for the believer. And in that life, peace and presence will be forever. Your God is too disappointing. In reality, the God of creation, the God of the scriptures, the God of redemption never disappoints. In reality, he walks with us and always is there. In disciple class, we've been sharing uh, how to share a testimony as we would talk with another person about Jesus. This last class, one of the members shared their testimony. And their testimony told of a time when this person went through some great trials, some very difficult times in their life. And they were wondering, where was God? in the midst of those great trials. As they shared their testimony with us, they told how walking that day brought them by a poster board. And on that poster board was that simple little poem. We have seen it in many different places. It's called Footsteps. This person, as they shared their testimony, said, that's when they realized that in what seemingly was a very upsetting and troubling and disappointing time, confusing time in their life, wondering where God was was in the midst of all that, they realized at that point in time that God was carrying them through those heartaches. Beloved, God never disappoints the believer. There are times when we go through difficult moments in life But God has not failed us. It may be that God is carrying us through those very difficult moments. And now I send you out into a world where people are wondering, why has God failed me? And you will be rubbing shoulders with them and elbows with them in these days ahead. Take with you 
and take to them. This assurance, we live in a troubling world. We live in a world where sin, unfortunately, has tainted this world, but we live in a world where God is very real. And if and when we put our trust into him, he will never fail us, but walk with us through those troubling times. Take an adequate God, a loving God, an eternal God, and a God of peace to a world that seems to think they are living with a God who has failed. Take the real picture of God. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you that you are a powerful God. You are a living God. You are an eternal God. And no matter what we face on this earth and what comes at us from so many different sides, you have never failed us. And you walk with us through those very difficult moments of life. And you are sufficient. We ask your blessing as we go forward with your love. In Jesus' name, amen.